There is a rapid fire urgency with which Mark tells the gospel story. It is so compact that in the first part of the first chapter, in the space of just 20 verses, 28 sentences in all, we have been told that Jesus is the Son of God, seen the prophecy of Isaiah fulfilled in the ministry of John the Baptist, witnessed Jesus' baptism, seen Jesus tempted in the wilderness, John's been arrested, and Jesus has called Simon, Andrew, James, and John to follow him. In today's Gospel reading, we will see Jesus' first episode of teaching and healing in the temple at Capernaum. Well, actually, we don't get to see and hear his teaching. We're just told that it was so good that all present were astounded. As, Mark is, as far as Mark is concerned, that's all we need to know because it's a matter of Jesus' authority that is most important. Compact, concise language is what we find, but in its brevity, it is not without impact. Mark's short, powerful language we read today tells a story that is disturbing in its imagery as it is timeless and timely meaningful and deep. So let's plunge into Mark's passage to find our, the meaning in our lives. Listen now for God's word for you today from the first chapter of Mark, beginning with the 21st verse. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, and he entered the synagogue and taught, they were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our gospel text today is one that can be unsettling for those of us who consider ourselves to be enlightened residents of the 21st century. We really don't talk about unclean spirits, and casting out of demons is just how it's foreign to us. I have yet to have anybody identify this as their favorite passage. And I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever thought of anyone as having an unclean spirit and casting out demons. Well, that's, that's just not on my radar at all. In fact, those words alone make me uncomfortable. And I'm willing to bet they may make you uncomfortable too. And because of that, it can be hard to wrap our 
heads around this text and find its meaning for us today. The truth is we Presbyterians think exorcisms are the stuff of superstitious nonsense. The whole concept is something for which we're just, well, we're too sophisticated. The very words conjure up images of the movie The Exorcist and it's not a pretty image. We read about this episode in Jesus' ministry and we just plain have trouble identifying with it. But let me tell you a story that just might help. Several years ago, the church to which I belonged had an incident occurred that caused quite a stir. In the middle of worship, a man with disheveled hair and dirty clothes and an appearance that shouted, I am not one of you, entered the sanctuary and he headed up the center aisle toward the front of the church. He was mumbling unintelligible words as he made his way forward. He moved with purpose, but not with haste as he ambled up the aisle. He got to the front. As he was approaching the front, two of my friends who were seated in the balcony bolted from their seats and headed for the sanctuary floor. The stranger reached the front just as they got to him, where before they could do anything, he fell to his knees, threw his arms in the air, and said, Praise God! Praise God! My friends gently talked to him and told him that there might be a better time and place to praise God than in the middle of worship. I am glad you got that. They went on to explain that it was really disturbing the service and the polite thing to do would be to leave the sanctuary. He smiled. He'd done what he wanted to do. He complied and he left the sanctuary through a side entrance without further disruption. And worship continued. Eventually the police showed up and the intruder was known to them. The police and the intruder greeted one another cordially and he willingly left with the officers. But I must tell you, as I read our text today and recalled the events I just described, I wondered what would I do if this happened in a worship service I was leading? I'd never really considered that possibility before. And frankly, I still don't know what I would do. And I wondered how you would all react. Again, there was no clear picture that came to mind except I thought of most of you folks sitting there wondering what in the world I was going to be doing. And then a host of other questions came flooding to my mind. Who was this man? Did he have a family? Whose child had he been that held such promise? Had he ever experienced love? Had he once been successful by society's standards? And of course, I wondered what had caused him to reach this stage in his life. And I couldn't shake the thought that this was a man with an unclean spirit. But we prefer to think that there are no unclean spirits. We have advanced to the point where these demons, these unclean spirits, well, 
We just don't think they occur. Whatever we want to call them, they are the stuff of superstition and fiction and bad movies. And if we're honest, it's the kind of stuff we simply don't want to think about or talk about or hear sermons about. And then as I talked to my wife after I had completed my first draft of the sermon, she read it over and she raised an interesting question. What if the man in the sanctuary those years ago wasn't the one with the unclean spirit? Rather, what if it was those observing his behavior that had the unclean spirit as exhibited by their judgment of him? What if their unclean spirit and our inability to see the face of Jesus in him and others we encounter, especially in those Jesus would have called the least of these? There went the first draft. I realized this stranger was a man of faith. It hit me. Maybe his faith was stronger than mine. He'd been filled with a deep love of God that gave him permission to come forward and demonstrate unashamedly to everybody present that love of God. Despite the circumstances he found himself in, he knew that he was loved by God and was willing to shout praise to God at the risk of being looked at as being different. He had come into the sanctuary wanting more than anything to offer praise to God. What more pure and honest expression of faith could there be than that? Yet many of those in the pews looked at him with disdain. Others observed with perhaps more than a little gratitude in their hearts that they were glad they were not him. And some, I'm sure, had a smug attitude that they were there to praise God, but they knew the right way to express that praise. They had come to worship God properly. And this intruder, well, clearly, he did not understand that he was in a Presbyterian church, and we Presbyterians like to do things decently and in good order. Sometimes we forget that the love of God can be a little messy. Jesus demonstrated this time and again, fighting the wisdom, the convention, and the culture of the day. Touch a leper, cure someone on the Sabbath, talk to a female enemy, protect a prostitute, tell a parable here and there that runs contrary to popular practice. Those who were in the pews that day had an opportunity to see that praising God does not have to follow a set script or ritual. It doesn't even have to take place in a church. That honest, heartfelt love of God certainly can and should be shown in formal worship such as we're in now, but it's not the only way or the only time to do so. Jesus knew that one way for him to praise God was to exercise the authority God had given him. Jesus knew what to do and he acted accordingly. 
If we think we are without unclean spirits, we deceive ourselves. Pride, prejudice, greed, arrogance, fear, anxiety, guilt, you fill in the condition, they can all be the unclean spirit that is part of our lives. It is the stuff that troubles souls, and some souls are more troubled than others. And this congregation, like all congregations, has people who are troubled souls experiencing some sort of spiritual anguish. It may be from embarrassment at the loss of a job or a relationship that has ended badly or having suffered from abuse or maybe even having been an abuser of some sort. The fault may be their own or not at all. The list of potential troubles for souls is unfortunately an endless one. Sadly, there are those whose wounds are so deep that they cannot bring themselves to come to church to experience the fellowship that Christians can bring here, that they cannot even bring themselves to encounter Christ, who can ease their pain, perhaps out of fear that they will be judged by those around them. We all know someone like this. As disciples of Jesus Christ, our charge is to engage those who are hurt and to show them the love of God through our words and our action. One lesson we can take from our gospel text today is that the story takes place in the context of a place of worship, a place where people come came to worship God and to hear God's word for them from Holy Scriptures. The man with the unclean spirit saw the temple as a welcoming community despite the ills that plagued him. It was in a place of worship where the man was truly engaged and it was through that engagement that his personal demons were expelled. This is within the realm of possibility for us too. It is here in this place of worship that even the most self-assured among us can admit to God if only in the silence of our prayers those unclean spirits that keep us from fully engaging with God and one another. It is engaging the risen Christ here in this place that we find healing that only God can give. Another lesson is that we must ask ourselves what it is that we do as a community of faith to help all who enter here to feel that this is indeed a safe place of healing and hope. This place and all places of worship need to be freed of the unclean spirit of human judgment. And the issue of judgment, theologian Henry Nouwen says, what really counts is our willingness to let the immense sufferings of our brothers and sisters free us from all arrogance and all judgments and condemnations and give us a heart as humble and gentle as the heart of Jesus. When I think back to that incident in that sanctuary many years ago, what jumps out at me is the sense of judgment that permeated that 
sanctuary and all the conversation after worship and even in subsequent Sundays. It was those who felt compassion for a brother suffering challenges of life, free of the unclean spirits of arrogance, judgment, and condemnation who engaged the heart of Jesus that day and worshiped in a manner that was pleasing to God. They saw the face of Jesus in the stranger. Please pray with me. God of compassion, free us of the unclean spirits of arrogance, judgment, and condemnation. Open our hearts and arms to welcome those who struggle with life. Help us to see the face of Jesus in all we encounter. Amen.